I'm just so glad that now, as damaging as social media can be, that there are podcasts like this, social media people speaking out about this, because there probably was a lot of kids like me growing up who just didn't feel so understood in all the ways. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 105 of the Mad Happy Podcast. I'm Payman. And I'm Mason. We have an amazing episode for you guys today. Uh, we have Alyssa Lynch on the show that Mason will tell you about in a sec. Really great interview that he did with her. Before we go there, as always, the first 10 people who email me, pmadhappy.com, showing that they left a five-star review for the show, get a special prize. So definitely do that. Mace, you want to tell us a little bit about the episode? Yeah, uh, amazing conversation uh, with Alyssa coming up. She's a huge uh, mental health advocate uh, and wellness guru who's been able to really carve out a nice little lane for herself in the space. I think outside of uh, starting as an actor and then sort of a content creator and definitely have a lot in uh, common and and some shared experiences and mutual friends as well. Uh, So it was definitely great to chat with her and get to know her story a bit. And uh, yeah, feels good to be back in the studio with you, brother. Yeah, it's great to be back. Really excited now that we've crossed the 100 episode mark. We're just keeping it rolling and and excited for some of the episodes we have coming up. Definitely. A lot of uh, cool new seasonal shops coming soon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Over the next month or so, we're opening two stores. So so keep a close eye out. Remember to leave us five stars and DM us. Let us know what you think about this episode. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism. Enjoy the show with Alyssa Lynch. Well, you're like, I was working at Soho Warehouse and then I was just thinking like, what does, what does work look like? Right, right. It's actually changed a bit in just, I would say like the last, even just six months. Um, I feel like I've shifted a little bit. I mean, I obviously work in the social media space as influencer content creator, but I feel like, and I focus mostly on wellness. However, beauty, lifestyle, fashion definitely come into play still. Mm -hmm. I have a passion for all of those things. However, wellness has always been the focus. It's the most like fulfilling thing for me. But I have been doing this for like eight years now. And the, you know, just basic content creation for me personally, because I'm not a photographer or videographer, was getting a little bit transactional. Mm-hmm. It's getting a little bit just not fulfilling. And so I wanted to add more to that. And so I started and I, 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 I'm just not at the point where something is like sparking a passionate idea in me to start my own product or brand. And I feel like you at this point, eight years of doing this, you get a lot of pressure from people to be like, come mm-hmm. on, what are you starting? What's your let's, thing? Yeah. let's do something. Yeah. And I just like my passion is other people's brands. Like I, I'm I'm so obsessed with watching someone else's baby grow. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my team and I have an assistant and um, Aisha is like my manager, I guess you could call it. I just kind of like to call them my team though. Team, yeah. Um, we now have been working with mostly wellness brands, but in kind of all the spaces, if it if it aligns with me, um, on partnerships that are not just content creation, but mm. they are planning events, helping with, you know, connect them with other aligned creators, events that just mostly like 
it's usually like bring women together uh, to, you know, introduce them to a variety of different brands in the wellness space and that just kind of empower them and inspire them and allow them to feel good. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, we're probably doing about seven different events right now that are in Amazing. the works up until like October. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, like marketing, mm-hmm. networking, like you're almost sort of like activating and promoting these brands for your like network and community essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like they'll reach out to me and say, Hey, we, we heard you're kind of planning events and we want you to create content for us as well. Um, and I'll say, let's host like a big wellness day where we cold plunge, where we do a workout. Like one of so many of my best friends are fitness instructors or have fitness platforms online, getting them to be able to teach, getting another friend to do like, maybe it's human design readings, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, getting an active wear brand, um, involved as well. And then also having the founders all there to be able to connect with each other. And I just love like being able to leave and seeing people connect with other people. And yeah, it's, it's become something that is very fulfilling that I, I didn't even know that that type of job really existed until I just kind of started doing it. <laughs> yeah. What sort of came first for you? Was it the wellness side of things or was it the social media side of things? I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, those to me, they seem like it makes sense how someone could sort of fuse those together and build a career out of it. But, you know, there's definitely a lot of stereotypes about social media that are like sort of the antithesis of like wellness or or positive mental health, which was like the first domino for you to fall. and, and, And sort of how did you end up bringing the two together in your own way? Yeah, well, I mean, just like a quick little snippet about me before my social media career was I was an actress in Vancouver. Um, yeah. I'm from Vancouver. and I figured out uh, when I heard you say uh, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, or A. Yeah. It really, it still comes out. I'm like, eight years? Come on. But so I, I, I was an actress and acting on three different shows at the same time for a couple of years. The, the hours were just so crazy long and child actor uh, basically at that point or were you like I was 18 okay nice yeah so that's 18 and 19 is when I did my shows and they were lead roles so very you know long hours a lot of scenes and that's when I kind of started to get like obsessed with wellness because I felt like I had to (laughs) because I was Mm. like how can I feel good with no sleep and you know I have to be on camera every day and I want to feel good and look my best and all the things yeah so that's what introduced me to that and then I would fly out to LA for some press and that's when I met a boy and fell in love out here and he was actually in the social media space like a videographer for a lot of creators Mm -hmm. um, and people in the music industry and when my shows wrapped uh, for their seasons I totally thought I'm gonna you know move out to LA for a few months and take a bit of a break (laughs) that that break never ended um, because you know, I always thought acting was my dream and was my passion. I said that since I was little, it was what I was working towards since I was little. But first of all, the social media world didn't exist Mm -hmm. growing up. Um, And also, I didn't realize how much my mental health would, you know, come into play with what I was doing for a living. Yeah. 
And I've always been a pretty, uh, growing up, a pretty sensitive person, just sensitive to my surroundings. Um, and, you know, acting is amazing. However, you, you don't really have control over who you're spending your days with, how long your hours are going to be. And um, you might sign a contract for a six-year TV show and, you know, you better like the people you're working with and mm-hmm. you might be in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, a lot is out of your control, yeah. Yeah, and for me, a couple of the experiences I had, you could tell people's mindsets were not very healthy and their routines weren't healthy and there was like partying and and stuff that I just wasn't really into. So when I came out to LA and I was introduced to this like social media world, it was funny. I actually remember saying like I, I saw this one kid on like a hoverboard in LA with holding a camera being like, yo, what's up guys? I I thought it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I was like, if I ever do that, somebody hit me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I judged so hard because this was also very new. Like this is when like selfie sticks were like the weirdest contraption thing that you've ever seen. Yeah. And then, you know, hypocritically, that was me probably a year later, not on the hoverboard, yeah. but with the with, with the, the camera, stick, yeah. yeah, with the stick. <laughs> but yeah, I always had this side of me that was like a very like go-getter side that I feel like I didn't get to put into play as much in the acting world. So Where do you think that that side of you sort of came from? Well, I grew up like in like a small suburb outside of Vancouver and I just I don't know. I just always had like really big dreams, dreamed about moving to Los Angeles. I sat my family down when I was five years old. I told them all like, you only get me for another 10 years and I will be gone. (laughs) You really manifested it. Yeah, I really, really, really did. I mean, I have journals, scrapbooks of it all. And um, my family, like they've supported me always. But of course, when you, you know, your six year old daughter is saying like, I'm going to be a big movie star and live in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's sure, like, sure. okay, sweetheart. <laughs> and no offense to my beautiful family, but no one's careers or dare I say lives like made me feel excited for the future besides the the idea in my imagination that I that I had. Yeah. And I wasn't really going to to stop until I got that reality yeah I always had that mentality were they super supportive after you like when you decided to move to LA what was that conversation like absolutely yeah I don't think I think they always kind of looked at me and were just like we're never stopping you like we can't you are so laser focused on what you want do you have siblings or no yeah my my mom had me in high school yeah so my brother's 10 years younger so he's um just graduating this year yeah and he also uh he wants to own a clothing brand and live in los angeles so um give him my number (laughs) i will (laughs) i will uh so yeah he do you think just on like the the teen mom yeah really quick i think like now looking back are you able to like notice like wow, my mom was like really young or maybe she wasn't fully prepared or like when you look back at your Mm -hmm. like inner child or like relationship with your mom growing up, do you like see things now and and have perspective on why you are the way you are because she was so young? Like, do you think that, I mean, how did that impact you? The more 
I grow up, the more I grow, the more self-work I do. And also having conversations with other people who are doing self-work, the more I realize how important our, you know, parents were. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything All our traumas for everyone. come it's, from it's our parents. It's what it all comes back to. And theirs comes from their parents. And exactly. Like, I send my mom a text probably once a week saying like, holy F, I lucked out with like you. Like how? Like I lucked out so much. Like she, I ge- when I say I genuinely don't think my mom caused me any trauma in my life. Like yeah. it's such a special and rare thing to say mind you there's other people of course that caused me trauma in my life but yeah my mom to be able to do that so young um I think the beautiful thing about her being so young was that she hadn't experienced a lot of life Mm -hmm. and there wasn't as much fear in her I feel um and she just always told me everything nothing was hidden there was no like oh I'm I'm not gonna tell her this because I want to protect her Mm. it was like oh like this is what's happening we're in this together we're a team like we'll get through it like she almost felt more like a peer to you yes older sister best friend for sure which I think is what I will one day when I have kids try and embody as as much as I can because I just think it I, you know, growing up, even like my teenage years and stuff, like just told her everything. I was never afraid to tell her anything. But also I know how much she sacrificed for me and and how much how honest she was with me and how much she did for me. So there was always that level of respect that I never wanted to break and I never wanted to disappoint her. So I was actually a, a great kid and teenager and and any you know little screw-ups I had or nights out that went wrong like it was immediately like um, oh I can't wait to tell her right like you weren't scared or embarrassed or ashamed like no not at all yeah I think that's super cool like I mean obviously the closer you are in age to someone you could argue the more you have to relate about and and can understand and Mm -hmm. I feel like so much of the strife between children and parents at least for me is like kids feel like the parents don't understand and the parents feel like the kids don't understand and I think you know it's like the older you get you think oh now I have to act more serious or or I know this I know that like Mm -hmm. you sort of have to like protect Mm -hmm. and and I have seen with a lot of friends who have like younger parents that almost like the fewer guardrails and like the less strict in some ways actually makes for like better like better behaved or just like more respectful and responsible kids because it doesn't seem like you're like defying anything to have fun it's just like we can have a friendly relationship it doesn't have to be like i'm just like looking up at you for your approval in that way exactly exactly yeah it's that that level of friendship like i i I remember hearing some parents say you know i don't need to be your friend i'm your mother and I hate that. Like, yeah. what? And I think that, like, being friends with your parents is one of the most beautiful things. Yeah. Yeah. Was your dad, like, oh, were your parents married? Oh, was your dad around no. or no? I mean, my mom was 16. Yeah. They they lasted a 
whole nine months, they really pushed through. Sophomore year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but my dad's still in my life. Yeah. And then my stepfather has been in my life since I was like four. So um, do you like call him your dad or? I don't. Yeah. I've, uh, I've always had this very weird protective thing over my real dad. So he was never like out of the picture for you? No. Uh, oh, yeah. Probably should have been at so certain I'm, times. Yeah. He was a mess and he'll be the first one to say. My dad actually probably like actually started living last year. Mm. Like fully realizing like the the meaning of life. He struggled with uh, drugs. Never too and late. Al- yeah. Yeah. He struggled with drugs and alcohol um, for literally until last year. Is he sober now? He's sober and it's so cool. I... I recommended him when he first got sober to read Jay Shetty's book uh-huh. uh, as well. We love Jay. We big, love Jay. Big friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. He's he's amazing. Um, and yeah, he's a he's a good friend of mine too. So he's always like been inspiring me for the last couple mm-hmm. of years. And I was like very into listen. I'm still am into listening to his podcast and to reading his book and so I recommended that to my dad and (laughs) I think like his addiction from all the toxic stuff um, after reading Jay Shetty's Think Like a Monk book turned into an addiction of you know bettering himself Mm. and uh, I I asked my dad to write me out a list of 2020 and 2021 versus 2022 and 2023 and what his, you know, toxic, his toxic traits versus now what he's changed those into. Mm-hmm. And it is unbelievable. I mean, the guy was doing Xanax every single day, alcohol every day, mm-hmm. um, working in a really toxic environment of like uh, construction of some sorts that was really like hard on his body. Um, yeah eating fast food every single day, cigarettes, all the, the list no goes way on. To live, yeah. And uh, now the list is looks something like working out every day, freezing cold shower every morning, breath work every day. He listens to all different types of self-help podcasts and books. And he says he doesn't complain anymore, or at least he is very aware of if he's being complacent or not and tries yeah. very hard not to be. Is he working any sort of 12-step program? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sick. Absolutely. He goes weekly. And then uh, he also started his own business and has his son working for him and gets to work with his son. And every single day he sends me a text message. I wake up to a text message every single day from my dad, and it says something like, you are amazing. Kick ass today. Love you so much. Life is so freaking good. And it's amazing. It's just so, so cool to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can definitely relate to him as an addict. Like, when I got sober, it's like you immediately channel all of that into, like, just so many healthier things that are, like, yeah. crazy. Like, I started running like crazy. I got, I mean, some of them not so healthy, but, like, like I started struggling with food a lot. Yes. Once I got sober from drugs yep. and alcohol, because yep. that sort of became like something you can control. Yeah, something that I control that would like create pleasure that yep. uh, that I could like 
hide and that you could like you know have a secret life about and and things like that um how long have you been sober for well from drugs and alcohol it'll be five years in june congrats yeah so that's amazing and then now i mainly work this uh program sex and love addicts anonymous which is like a lot harder of a program they call it like a like graduate school in recovery yeah sex and love i've heard about this yeah yeah and it's a i mean i feel like a lot of people could use this program yeah i think you know we all have like an innate desire to be loved yeah and to love someone and to feel connection you know i think the biggest like distinction for me is like when that when that becomes unmanageable Mm -hmm. you know i've I've had a lot of relationships where like i have needed to seek approval and connection from not just my girlfriend but like other women all of the time because of like these deeply rooted insecurities that i would have and it's like just causes a spiral of Mm -hmm. self-sabotaging behavior manipulation like lies like like right like obviously all these things um so that one has been a lot harder to sort of unpack and and understand and a lot of people don't really like understand that it's like a real addiction or like how it can be a disease in that way. But I think really like the biggest word, like I said, is really just like unmanageability. I think that's like the best word to really gauge any sort of dependency as to like whether it's toxic or not. It's like if, if, if you're unable to, if you're overriding your screen time on Instagram every day, right? Like it's unmanageable. Like you can't, it's like, that's when you're sort of able to identify like, all right, this is like, not something that I can control on my own. And then that's when I have to seek to like fellows, a program, higher power, other sort of things Mm -hmm. um, to sort of help you manage it. Yeah. And it's, it's wild because not saying that, you know, um, getting sober from drugs and alcohol is easy because I, I, I understand that I will never understand But it's a lot more black and white. Well, you, you don't need drugs or alcohol to survive. Yeah. But food, we need. Yeah. And love yeah. <laughs> and relationships, we need. Yeah. And so when we turn to those things to control, it's very easy to abuse those things. And there's such a, like, gray area line. It's it's all very personal. Yeah. But it's hard. I've struggled with the food uh, situation as well. And I always thought, I was like, I don't have an addictive personality because I do not, like... I'm not attached to drugs or alcohol at all. And I know I will never be. And then, you know, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, wait a second. You're literally obsessing and thinking and controlling everything with your food. Yeah. That's that's an addiction. Yeah. So it's amazing to be able to look at those things and be aware of them. And like, I'm so grateful for people like you that are open and talking about these things, especially as a man, because I yeah. feel like that there there will never be enough men who can be as honest as you are and come in, out and talk about it because there is just so many men out there who feel so much shame that will never, ever get help for the things they need to get help for. Yeah, it's definitely super tragic and, like, definitely one of the things I'm most passionate about is, like, not only mental health but, like, men's mental health in general. Yeah. And I think, like, just generally in society, it's, like, men just have such a hard time asking for help mm-hmm. because to, like... To ask for help means that you want something to change. For something to change means that, like, you're not doing it right or that you can't do it. And if you can't do something, it means you're weak. And, like, if you're weak, that's, like, the last thing you want to be as a man, right? So it, like, all sort of, like, trickles down from that. And I think mm-hmm. really, like, 
rewriting that narrative is the most important thing of like Mm -hmm. asking for help is not a sign of weakness is more so a sign of courage and then it's like you know it takes men especially older men like your dad i imagine of like so fucking stubborn like i'm gonna figure this out i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine until it gets to a certain point like where it's like if i want to continue to live i have to like ask for help and make a change and like they call that in the program like the gift of desperation which is like i love that line because it's like the best thing ever it's like you know there's no better time than when you're like at your wits end and you throw your hands up and it's just like i can't do this anymore and that's when i've been like the most motivated to get help when i went away to treatment when i went to my first meeting when i like thought of the name like mad happy and we started this company right like all of those moments that have brought me like the most joy and success and happiness all started from like the most rock bottom darkest places of like you know not even wanting to live anymore and it's Mm -hmm. like that's what i think is like the most beautiful part of like the whole mental health journey and everyone is like opening up that door to those times Mm -hmm. and it's like there's so much value in them and like so much that we can learn from ourselves and each other about them and like you know it sucks but society still and we've been taught our whole lives to like keep that door closed like don't open that door there's nothing more unattractive to me than like people who don't have the courage to face their shit and talk about it um It's the most, I should more so say, it's the most attractive thing when people can be vulnerable and have the courage to speak out about the way they're feeling. I feel like even though my dad had the stubbornness to not get sober for so long. Yeah, and I don't like unknow his uh, situation, obviously. But he he was always way more so open about his emotions because he was like, he was a mess. He was a roller coaster, but like people knew it. Can't really lie. Yeah, (laughs) because he's like in and out of rehabs his whole life, like sometimes doesn't have a place to stay like he couldn't hide it so he was a lot more open and then I and I I honestly like sometimes my family would be like I like I don't understand why you still want a relationship with him like he's always letting you down and stuff and I'm like to be honest the people who are just pretending like everything's okay are letting me down way more Mm -hmm. because I can see right through it and like I said I was always such a sensitive person that I just felt like I'm kind of, my friends call me a sponge because mm-hmm. I like soak up everyone's emotions around me, which can be a fault, but also it can be a beautiful thing because like, it's like a blessing and a curse. A I always say the curse. same thing yeah. for myself. Yeah. And I, I love nothing more than when people are just so vulnerable and honest because I, I can feel it and I understand and I empathize and I feel like so many people are like that. Yeah, when when people are just kind of those like, oh, sweep it under the rug, everything's fine. That as well as like surface level conversations, they're just they're never doing anything for me. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's like the thing too where the mental health bug will catch everybody mm-hmm. at some point in their life. So I think it's like the sooner that we can like talk about these and and get curriculums around it into the school systems and like have parents be educating their children and have parents educated themselves it's like that's all for the better you know it's like in so many of the rooms that I'm in like that there's you know there's there's not a lot of kids in their late 20s you know it's a lot of old timers 40 50s 60s and it's just like I didn't really realize it until they told me like really how lucky I am to be you know getting sober and like doing this work at this age because I think especially for like addiction and like lingering mental health issues like they don't really go away it's not like a Mm. physical illness where I can just you know wait six months I don't use my arm 
and now it's as good as new, right? right? Like it actually takes work. And like if you don't do it and you sort of just keep like suppressing it and suppressing it and suppressing it, like then it's going to come and explode like a million times louder. So, you know, like even in the relationships for me that, that I've destroyed and that I feel so much shame and sadness mm-hmm. around, I still feel gratitude that like, you know, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I didn't lose mm-hmm my house i didn't mm-hmm. lose the ability to see my kids right all these things mm-hmm. and not saying that like that's where everyone's headed obviously but it's just like our shit will catch up to us eventually and i think like the longer we put it away then just like the more we're kind of like in for it once it does sort of come knocking it's selfless to be selfish at this time in your life because you are i feel like when you don't have kids and a family and stuff to be able to be like, oh, I can't put someone through this right now and I need mm-hmm. to like work on my shit. And even though like maybe leaving that situation and hurting someone can cause shame, it's like you are helping yourself and your future life and all the people that will be involved um, so much by by being selfish. You know, yeah, I mean, there's a, such a healthy degree of like selfishness that like Absolutely. we all need to live with like the saying you can't pour from an empty cup. And like, yeah. I feel like you don't like at least for me, I wasn't really ever taught as like a kid that there was anything positive about being selfish. And I think there totally is. And mm-hmm. like, you know, that's how it leads to so many like codependent relationships or friendships or like, you know, people pleasers, people pleasers or just like herd <laughs> mentality or just like, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want to say this because it'll make that person upset, mm-hmm. but you're making yourself upset by not saying it. So it's just like, you know, and yeah. then like ultimately no one is like being honest or like getting what they want in the end. So it really is like uh, having the confidence to like be selfish. And I think as long as it's coming from like an honest place mm-hmm. and like a place of integrity and nothing like manipulative in any way, then like it's it's what's best, you know? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, like in my household growing up, no one, as far as I know, understood mental health whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like, you're having a bad day. Come on, get up. Cheer up. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Life is good. Come on. Life is good. And I, I'm just so glad that now to be honest, as, as damaging as social media can be that there are podcasts like this social media um people speaking out about this because there probably was a lot of kids like me growing up who just didn't feel so understood in all the ways Mm -hmm. and i think it's like the life is good messaging i like i condone like i think that's great and i support it i just think that there can be a shift of like and yeah. And there's more space there, you know, like even how when we were speaking before we started recording of like not every decision is so just black yeah. or white or this or that. So it's like life is really good and I have so much to be grateful for. And I'm really, really sad right now and I'm having a terrible day. So true. You know, and like both of those things are true at the same time. And like that's completely OK. And it's yeah. like it doesn't either have to be life's good or life sucks. Yeah. It's so true. I was just having this like kind of a similar conversation. I've been having a lot of these conversations lately because I feel like I'm at the age where a lot of my friends and stuff are getting like engaged and babies and all that. Um, I'm also like a 
few years younger than most of my friends, so they're really like in that time of their peak, life. The peak, peak season, yeah. But we've all been talking about lately because it's like kind of just going back to the not everything is so black and white or has to be like this idea of date for this many years, get engaged, get married, like, buy the, the house, yeah. white picket fence. Now you have a baby, like all these just rules. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people in my circle are feeling just a lot of pressure and a lot of resistance towards that. Even if they want to get engaged and get married, it's like doing it such like by the rule book just isn't isn't feeling right to people. And it's like, why do we have to do things so, why do things have to be so black and white? Like maybe we want to get engaged and then I actually want to move to Europe for a couple months and you want to stay here in LA. Yeah. And people would look at that and judge it so much like I can already feel and not that that's my situation whatsoever I'm Mm -hmm. not engaged nor moving to Europe but that's (laughs) just a random example um but I can already feel like people in my family judging that so hard and being like oh no 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 that's not the way it's supposed to be Yeah, it's like you got to stick to the status quo yeah yeah but I'm I'm proud of some of my friends who are really stepping outside of that and saying like no you know what my mental health comes first and I just want to do it in a way that feels good. What have you seen like uh, since becoming like an influencer and content creator? Like uh, right now you're saying your friends are sort of, you know, getting used to uh, sort of challenging the status quo in those ways of like, what are like the biggest sort of like mental health issues? Or, or when I post about this, I always get like the most engagement or like what is sort of people respond to the most and or like struggling with the most that you've seen? Certain issues that I've struggled with that I've shared about, definitely I've seen a lot of other people relate to those, uh, them being like insomnia, Mm -hmm. so sleeping issues, and then as well as food and like body image issues. Yeah. Those are probably, yeah, the the top kind of issues that I see, especially a lot of young girls um, struggling with comparison body issues for sure yeah and and also yeah becoming so obsessed with wellness to an unhealthy um extent so you're saying there's such thing as too much wellness it's too much (laughs) there is such thing as too much wellness and i will say i partake in that quite often it's it's hard to find a a balance um and that's why it's it's also hard to give advice on because it's it's so personal yeah someone's look yeah, at it's not a healthy just like one lifestyle can be so healthy to them and be so unhealthy to somebody else yeah because it's all like it's all mental yeah how do you use social media to help people with body image issues when that's probably one of the biggest sources of the issues in the first place mm-hmm. it's a really good question <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like a catch-22 it it's is. like it, it seems sort of uh I don't know. It's just like very, very challenging, I would imagine. I always try and be transparent. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book, like I said, share my struggles and what I'm going through. And I just, I always try and act like a student to even just people that I'm talking to on social media or when I'm sharing stories. It's like, I, I'm, I'm not a professional. I don't, 
you know, I don't have anything all figured out at mm-hmm. all, but this made me feel so good. And I need to share that with you guys because like I've been struggling with this and like if this gives anyone inspiration to partake in a cold plunge, I highly recommend it. It has helped my anxiety so much or, you know, I like highly recommend going on a walk after you eat dinner. Like it's helped me so much feel good. So I'm always just like sharing things that truly that I would just text my friends like, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. this helped me so much. You guys should try. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I think the best thing to do that I've noticed for myself also is like just speaking from our own experience. Like it's not advice giving. It's not telling people what they should do. It's just like sharing your own truth in an authentic way. And then it's like, that's really what people respond to the most, I feel like. And then the, the, you know, ripple effect that that vulnerability has is like if, you know, if this conversation encourages or inspires, you know, one person to Mm -hmm. share something with one other person, then like that sort of effect can like, that's how we truly like change this thing. Exactly. It's the most fulfilling thing. And I will also say though, sometimes like people see through your shit and I've gotten caught a couple times being like, "Mm, I don't think you're very healthy right now. Like it doesn't seem this and Mm. it, they're right sometimes, not all in the past. Like you found that your community almost like holds you accountable and has the ability to like call you out on your bullshit. Absolutely. And I, I respect it. I mean, some people are a little ruthless, but it could be a little nicer. (laughs) But I always say like, I just, I rather be transparent and open and share something, even maybe if it's, if I get constructive criticism, if I am held accountable for certain things or if I get a little bit of backlash because I take those as learning experiences and I also will always come back and say, you know what, you guys are right or hey, like I was a little bit off about this situation, like I'm handling it this way. I rather, you know, risk having certain people maybe unfollow me or confrontation because I just – I see so many people that play it so safe on social media and that truly does nothing for me. Yeah. It's sort of like the saying, obviously not to this extent, but like I'd rather be hated for who I am than love for who I'm not basically. No, that's exactly it. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that people can appreciate you coming forward and saying I was wrong or, you know, maybe I wasn't being as honest to myself. It's not like I'm ever like, oh, I'm going to go out there and lie to my following or the mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. It's always situations where you're like literally trying to convince yourself that, you know, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they call you out and they're like, yeah, you don't look too good. Yeah. So I know you said sort of your biggest like mental struggles, I guess, have been like the insomnia, like the food and the body stuff. I'm curious, like, when did that sort of first start for you Mm -hmm. or or how were you able to identify you know I know that you said when you were on sets at like 18 19 you felt stressed and like overworked I think that's amazing at such a young age to be able to like be so self-aware of those sort of things like when did these things come up for you and like how were you able to communicate them and like what were like the first sort of steps that you took yeah I mean well the food issues and control issues I mean now doing lots of therapy on that, that probably goes way back to being a kid. 
Um, I think I didn't realize it was something that I could unhealthily control until my life was so busy and I was working on the sets. That's when that happened. Also, being on TV, uh, you know, it can kind of screw up your idea of how you look. And, mm-hmm. um, was it more of, like restricting for you or, or like binge eating or what? Yeah, it was restri- It was restricting. I mean, I think I grew up binging, binge eating. I, yeah. I saw food as a, a way to like numb for totally. sure. Didn't even realize though. Always was just like, I'm a growing girl. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think. Oh, I'm, look at that healthy appetite. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. It was almost like rewarded. And then um, the restricting probably came, I mean, from auditions when you're, they're just like, yeah, I mean, there was many auditions being like 15 years old and them saying like, you need to lose 20 pounds. And that was just it. That was straight up it. And I was always just like, I'm a tough cookie. I'm not going to cry at that. Like, I'm mm-hmm. fine. But I think subconsciously that definitely hits and you know, unhealthy habits are the result from that. But the insomnia uh, didn't start until I went through my first, you know, bad breakup, Mm -hmm. uh, which was honestly super traumatizing. And I thought I was... Was that uh, with the guy who, like, you moved uh, to L.A. for? Yes. So lived together for a couple of years and was so head over heels, so, so in love like I didn't know that did you move in like when you lived here like oh when you moved here right away yeah it's fast fast um and I was 19 and it was a fairy tale life you know I took a break from acting we traveled the world and he would make these video edits of us traveling and we became this like travel couple on so online and Mm -hmm. um and it was the the love was real Unfortunately, there was like a a spiritual drug on his part that he went through this kind of experience with his spirituality Mm -hmm. and uh, truly like no, you know, shade to him. And I I really I think he's thriving now and living his best life. And I'm truly so happy for him. But yeah my own experience with it, you know, just coming home from a trip one day and, and walking into my, my home and him being a, when I say a completely different person, I, I mean a completely different person. It was traumatizing. I, mm. I couldn't have a conversation with him without crying because he was in this kind of trance from whatever spiritual drug that came into play. I also am very aware this is the most L.A. like uh, this is the most (laughs) L.A. situation that's ever existed. Um, But yeah, for my 21 year old self, it was traumatizing. He was someone that I definitely focused my life around for those two years. And I didn't see many other people, which is something I'll never do again. That's why friendships and family are just so important to me yeah. now i mean how could you not right like moving to a new place like yeah. you need a a sense of like safety and home and and support and you exactly. put everything into that to make sure you don't lose it otherwise you're abandoned exactly and yeah and i was it got ripped away from me and i yeah. realized i was alone in a city that i lived in and now i had this job that i had to be here for but did not have many friendships um a couple but didn't yeah i didn't have family here and 
Was that sort of like your first real like rock bottom a moment, would you say? It was, but the way I handled it was an interesting rock bottom. I mean, I just I wasn't the type of person to lie in bed and cry, that's for sure. I Well, you said you're you're a go-getter. So the nervous system just went right into fight or flight and um I threw myself into work and that's when I really started working with wellness brands and focusing on wellness was because I probably was just crying for help inside yeah. wanting you know all the wellness things you're like and projecting to get it better. for yourself absolutely yeah but I'm so grateful it happened like it has truly it of course. shaped my life now yeah yeah but the but the insomnia was the probably the nervous system in fight or flight all the time yeah and I think you know if if, if you didn't give yourself proper time to grieve and mm-hmm. mourn the the betrayal or, or the relationship or whatever mm-hmm. like and just got up and started grinding it's like mm-hmm. the insomnia was a way of like our bodies talking to us and trying to say like hey there's there's something here to like listen to or like work on or like you know i think that's the coolest mm-hmm. thing about the physical and mental health connection is like how our bodies are sending us signals all oh. day of like what's going on or or if something is bothering you more than you're letting on or like, you know, I think it's constantly trying to sort of talk to us with Mm -hmm. allergies or insomnia or stomach aches or (laughs) tight chest or heartbeat or or temperature or like all these different things. And I feel like they all really mean something, but you know, 99% of the people are just like, Oh, I have heartburn or I ate too much or turn on the ac yeah you know what oh, i mean oh yeah my my family thinks that i am so over analytical they always call me that because there's a reason for everything there's a reason you feel that way there's a reason this is happening and you know they're they're like that oh you have a stomach ache like yeah it happens just take an advil <laughs> like, yeah no yeah. i want to know why i have the stomach ache yeah <laughs> I think it's important to know your triggers for sure. It's like, oh, I'm being triggered. That's because of this. Like, it really helps you be able to navigate your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like are some of those triggers for you? I mean, someone who like works in the wellness space, obviously, we're not perfect. It's not like just because we work in mental health, we are amazing all the time, right? Like, what are some of the triggers that you notice? And then when you do notice them, what are some of your like go to, uh, mental health routines or, or, or exercises that sort of keep you grounded these days? I think I, like when you go through something, you can very easily see when other people are going through something similar. It's hard for me to sometimes bite my tongue and not feel it so personally. But when someone else maybe is controlling their food and over-exercising, oh, I want to like shake them and hug them all at the same time and be like, don't do it. But I also. That's the sponge, huh? Yeah, that's the sponge. (laughs) But I also know that when I was in that, no one could tell me what to do. It's it's all on your own timing. Yeah. Uh, But I definitely get triggered by that. So sometimes I have to just be a little bit more mindful about, you know, not trying to play the the mother or the helper in those situations Mm. and just stepping back. (laughs) Honestly, for me, like I I just like, even I was supposed to go to Coachella Mm -hmm. this last weekend and 
I'm proud of myself because uh, like two days before, I just decided not to go. And I realized that um, those certain events were decisions I was making for other people and not for myself. Mm. And which is, you know, sometimes you got to make decisions for other people. It's like, oh, I don't want to go to this birthday party. But like, you're going to go because it's I for someone should. else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when there's times where I feel like lately I've just been going through a lot of like changes and emotions and it's, I feel like it's good to be aware of those times um, and to know when maybe you, you need a little bit more selfishness in your life. Mm-hmm. And I felt that. And so, to be honest, like big, big crowds and partying is is not my thing. I can do it. If it's a, a job or a work thing, like yeah. I can do it. And let me tell you, when I get home, I'm absolutely exhausted and yeah. can't talk to someone for two days. But um, this, I, it wasn't a work thing. It was, it was, I'm going for my friends to bond with my friends. And then I really, really, really like self-reflected on that and was just like, you know what? My friends are going to love me no matter what. Yeah. I don't need to people please here. And they're going to have a great time. And they're going to have a great time and I can be happy for them and I can stay back and just do me. So I think like those types of things, just really recognizing mm. are, have been really helpful for me. Yeah. And in terms of boundaries, like how do you decide if you even do like anything that you keep to yourself, what I share with my audience, like what mm. I don't, you know, I feel like so much of, uh, you being good at your job is like being so fucking transparent and like holding nothing back. Have you found that to be like a detriment at all to your own experience or like, how do you think about boundaries uh, with your community in that way? To be honest, the more I've participated in like self growth and meditation and journaling, like those things really, really, really allow me to get super clear on just even like the way that I feel and how I want to like vocalize certain things, whether it's to my friends or my audience. And so I feel that because of doing those, like I do that every morning, like it Mm -hmm. sounds cliche, but I sit there and I write out my thoughts and I meditate. Like it comes very clear to me how to vocalize those things. So I've, I've never really been extremely regretful of explaining certain things um I'm also because I'm so protective over the people that I love I just I'm always very um careful with my words of of making sure that I'm not you know yeah it's like just because I feel this way there's all these other people who are a part of my life that I don't like just want to subject them to the same thing exactly and I think that's mostly where people go wrong people can say like oh well you know uh, people love when when creators and people on s- social media are so uh, transparent and like saying every nitty ditty gr- detail. Yeah. But and I'm an open book, like I said, with my emotions and sharing things with that I'm vulnerable about. But that's the thing I think certain people are missing is like, do you understand who else you're hurting in that situation mm-hmm. while you're sharing like your night out with so and so? Like yeah. th- that's their life too. So. Yeah. I'm very careful about that. I'm sure if I wasn't, you know, I'd probably get a lot more views, but. (laughs) 
Well, it's not what it's all about, it's not, right? It's not what it's all about at all. Only part of what it's about. Yeah, sometimes, you know, when it's your career. But any, uh, as you said, like you're focusing more on the events. Any anything upcoming this summer or for the rest of the year that that you're excited about? Yeah. Well, to be honest, I just have like a million and one weddings. Mm. <laughs> That's it. It's wedding season. All over. Yeah, and like when you live in LA, they're always all over the place because no yeah. one's like from here. Yeah. So it's not really that those expensive. are work events, but oh my goodness, really like how expensive. do people do like, it? Even I just like booked a couple weddings that I have for the rest of the year. And it's like this, like how many friends do I have? Like this shit is going to add up. I know. So I feel the same way. And so to be honest, I'm, I'm trying to like be a little bit strategic and you gotta make like split, work. Split the hotel rooms with friends. You're or like, we're like, oh, we want to work with this brand that's based there. Like, let's do a job with them the weekend before mm. so that this can pay for our, smart, you smart. know, our, our hotel for this wedding that's, you know, in Italy and like in the Amalfi Coast, which is just <laughs> the most expensive place ever. Casual. But also, yeah. it's like encouraging me to go travel places that I've never been. Yeah, that's um, special. So, you know, uh, at least I'm getting that out of it. But for for work wise, like, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be kind of putting on these. I just did an event in January and it was just like it was kind of like a test event. Like it was uh, OK. I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. Let's give it a shot. A little trial run. Yeah. With a brand called um, Blackwater. Nice. And did it at this amazing house. We had breath work and cold plunges. We had IVs, vitamin shots, lymphatic drainage massages, a sound bath, a workout, a smoothie bar. Sick. Yeah, it was and it was the best day ever. And like yeah. I know I'm biased, but I made my friends. I was like you need to be so honest with me of how you felt and like everyone was just like the people that you cuz it's like yeah, all those things are great. All of those activities and free treatments are amazing yeah but truly nothing matters more than the group of people and the energy that you have in a place and 75 people came and it was so amazing and i see people who are like truly like best friends now and i and i also see like my friend's vitamin she owns a like mobile wellness company that they come to your house to do like ivs and vitamin shots And now her business, because of all the other brands and people that she met at this business, her business is thriving. And like, there's nothing better to see from something like that. So now the other like seven ish, six or seven brands that we're working with right now, we're kind of doing whether it's a lot smaller or a lot more, you know, intimate or just as big um, events similar to that. So I'm really excited. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely. uh Keep me posted on the next event. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding? Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed the conversation and appreciate your mental health advocacy and, and how vulnerable you are to your audience and, and everything that you do. Same to you. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Talk soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, As always, we hope you enjoyed the episode and thanks for being a part of the conversation and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism.